Well, I said I didn't really have anything to say before we like got into the episode. Um, but I, I am thinking about it now, and I think, John, you would agree. I'm, I just want to make a special announcement that I'm playing Tim this week, and Tim has literally gone all in on his team. He's only has one more win than me, and he has no picks. And, Tim, it's going to bring me a lot of joy when I beat you this week, bud. It's gonna, it's gonna feel really good. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. And then we're gonna have the and same we'll record. Still be ahead of you know, Pikus and Ethan. So that's fine with me. <laughs> well, you're you're definitely making playoffs. Ethan and Pikus can go ahead. and They can get their <laughs> sailboats and head out for the for the year. They're done. <clears throat> there was a time way back when when we didn't. We said we weren't gonna say <laughs> people's league <laughs> league names, and then you just came in and you started declaring the names. So that's out the window too. All right, let's let's just get started. Uh, <laughs> the Don Juan's and Dynasty are back, boys. Uh, week ten is officially in the books, and for episode eighteen, we have a fun one on tap. <clears throat> We're gonna go into twenty twenty player scenarios, um, trying to take a look at these scenarios. And, and first off, personal shout out to Reddit. Uh, Tim got a, a good discussion rolling on there around you know, what kinds of things the community wanted to see more of. And one that stuck out to us was uh, looking at players and trying to assess if they're in lucky situations or lucky scenarios, um, you know, it's a situation-based scenario, or if their skill is the reason that they are, you know, successfully going off this year, or if it's the reason that they are an abject disaster. Um, so again, special thanks, Reddit. We uh, we love you. We know that you and uh, Tim go back and forth often. We have a gem today. So with that being said, I'm Mike, and I am joined by John. Yep. What's up? And Tim. <clears throat> All right, guys. I think I uh, basically explained the, the overall premise of this, but the way that we want to do it today is we're going to go by positions. So we're going to start with quarterbacks, um, then go into running backs, then go to wide receivers. Uh <clears throat> We each have a list of five players that we want to discuss. And then what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, pitch our player, whether it be somebody like Rogers um, or Mahomes or whoever it is. And we're going to say that, you know, if their situation is, you know, and their success or their unsuccessful year is caused by them being lucky, by them just being flat out good or them being in the perfect situation to succeed. Um so with that being said, let's go ahead and get started with quarterbacks today, guys. Uh, and I'll kick it over to you, Tim, to, to give us our first right, name. Well, uh, we were talking about whether this would be for skill, situation, or luck. But in my situation, it's going to be uh, a lack of skill. I'm going to be talking about Drew Locke. And Locke, for all the film I was watching on him, he is who we thought he is. He's strong-armed, mobile. When you watch the highlights, you see him make good reads, and he threads the ball into really tight windows that's the thing you see that on the highlight reel and on his positive plays he looks good but the problem is on the bad plays he looks awful like beyond the stats if you look at the teams that he's put up numbers recently against because i'm sure people who've had him in fantasy uh putting him in on like a hail mary play he put up i think uh back-to-back weeks of over 20 points but that was against the chargers and the falcons defenses who have been miserable so uh, right now, I think that he is getting lucky and uh, with the situation. But for the most part, this is a lack of skill on the end of Drew Locke. Drew Locke is not the answer. Even with Sutton out, he's got solid weapons, and he continues to not take that step forward. It's like Daniel Jones without the weapons, otherwise known as Baker Mayfield. What do you guys think about uh, Drew Locke? Well, I think he's been hurt. 
a lot. So, I mean, that definitely, you know, hurts his development a little bit. Um, but, I mean, like you said, I can't disagree where he has some games and he looks great, and then he has other games where, like, last game he's throwing four interceptions and looks like shit. But the Chargers' defense isn't too bad. Like, it's not like a dumpster fire of defense. And he had a good game against them. Mm-hmm. Um, it also does hurt him that, just playing devil's advocate here, that Sutton did go down. You know, Fant's been – Noah Fant's been hurt a little bit this year, and then – his other wide receivers that they brought in were just kind of tossed into the fire because they're rookies. Um, so even though Jerry Judy's having a good year, he's no one you can fully rely on yet. So I think if he has Sutton this year, it'd be a completely different story. Um, but I'm not at the point where I'm calling it lack of skill yet. I think he needs to be a develop. He needs to be developed a little bit more. And uh, I, I still have faith in my boy. Interesting. So the Broncos are three and six uh, on the year right now. So, you know, it's, it's a weird situation in the sense that um, Locke has just been very inconsistent to your point, Tim, I'm going to air on the, his situation is good. His skill is not um, side of it. That being said, if you had him in dynasty, I, you know, you're probably holding, like, I think everybody is seeing the same thing with him a little bit right now. So nobody necessarily is saying, wow, he's getting unlucky. He's way better than this. But conversely, I, you know, he is almost cheap enough that maybe, you know, he's worth holding on to speculatively. That being said, the Broncos, you know, are probably not going to be in a position to get one of the top flight quarterbacks next year. And they're going to be with Locke again. So the question is, can Locke just develop into a usable level of quarterback? Um, and, you know, I think based on what we've seen, I would probably slot him in as like a – maybe in a 2QB league you would pay a late second, maybe a, maybe a mid-second if you are desperate. But I, I think certainly no more than that. Would no, you guys pay more than that. a mid-second? I also think, to, to your point, Mike, that um... – They've failed so many times at drafting quarterbacks that I feel like they're going to give him, continue to give him more shots at it just because they kind of want to prove people wrong. <laughs> Honestly. I... Yeah. Well, they're, they stink at drafting quarterbacks. Uh, but speaking of draft, or the draft, they took him in the second round. So it's not like they invested a ton of capital into him. I wouldn't be surprised to see them take another second round quarterback. And, you know, the rest of their team is solid outside of the O-line. They probably want to get um, whatever quarterback they bring in. They're going to have really great weapons to work with. So I think getting a top QB, which you need in the NFL, I think getting a new QB to be the answer that they know Locke isn't is very important. Well, I don't even I don't, I okay. don't even think Fair he's enough. played, like, really a full season yet. Like, he didn't come in – Late to late last year, and then this year he was hurt for a few games, right? Am I looking at that right? Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I think he didn't play a full game, a yeah, full so he really hasn't. I mean, he hasn't had a full season yet, so I think it's a little too early to just write him off. It's fair, but again, uh, to your point, that it is a little early, but sometimes you do have to cut bait early, and if he hasn't even taken remotely a step forward, that's a little shocking to see. I think I think there's going to be people that kind of went all in on him a little bit too much. And I bet that, that like, in some startups, I, I saw him going as a back-end QB1, like, in that 9 to 
12 range and ooh, mm. it's it's kind of ugly if he's your QB1 you're you're not in a great spot right now um you know he is averaging 12.1 fantasy points a game on the season so that i mean that's a QB three QB four. I mean, that's a bottom barrel QB. So he has room to grow more. I like to, I think we all are in agreement that like he is probably not a stud, but he needs more time. So I think it's more interesting, not even from the drew lock side, but like what it means for Judy and Sutton, because Sutton was able to produce pretty solidly last year. And this year he's starting to get better rapport with Judy, but obviously like the quarterback situation could limit Judy because if Sutton, you know, is back next year, and there's less targets for Judy, and Locke can't hit the broad side of a bar, and this is going to be something that hurts his value relative to some of the other top-flight receivers. Uh, do you guys have anything else to add about uh, Drew Locke before we move on? Nope, and I'm going to kick it to Mike just because uh, I didn't do a quarterback because I didn't want to. I was going to save you that and just say we're going to Mike, but works for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to get to me eventually. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't. I think you almost preventatively didn't want to get yourself exposed right there because you knew I might give you a little pop for not picking a quarterback after we agreed that we would. But doesn't matter. Uh, let's go ahead and go to quarterback. And my guy is somebody who I think basically everybody on the community has come around to at this point. But I went with Justin Herbert um, as the quarterback I wanted to look to. And, you know, I think that it is a good discussion on whether or not the scenario that's playing out is luck situation or skill. Um, one of the things that was going against Herbert really going into the year and playing at Oregon was his inconsistency and, and sometimes his, you know, effort to try to make too much happen. With that being said, uh, one of the things people were not really accounting for was how bad the weapons at Oregon were and how much Justin Herbert was being asked to do on his own, basically. Um, so Sans, you know, we get into him entering Chicago or, uh, you know, LA with the chargers and, you kind of look at the situation and go, okay, he's got Keenan Allen. He's got Mike Williams. He's got um, a running back he can dump off to in Eckler. You know, with that being said, what does that mean for him versus these other guys? And basically going into the year, he was squarely put as the quarterback three behind uh, Tua and Burrow. And at this point, I think that there is definitely the ability to have a discussion between him and Burrow. I still have Burrow a touch above him just because I still love Burrow so much. But Herbert's 100% the real deal. Um, we've said that before. I think that his skill this year is very much on display. And, yes, he's in a solid situation, but the situation could be better. I mean, it's not like this is an excellent line. Um, and maybe he is getting a little bit lucky. Maybe he should have a couple more interceptions that, you know, he's gotten lucky and the D-backs have been dropping. But at this point in the year, um, he's a he's a quarterback one. And for the rest of this year, I would say I'm more confident starting him than Burrow, although both of them should be fine as, you know, mid-quarterback ones to back-end quarterback ones. This week he plays the Jets, so I assume he's going to eviscerate them. Um, but what what say you guys? Do you guys see this as purely skilled? Do you think that it's just the right situation okay. or is it a lot? First. Okay, Tim, thank you. Um, I mean, I think it's skill. I think, I think we're all going to be in agreement here. Um, he looks really good, uh, and I think – I really think it helps. Obviously, he's been hooking up with Keenan Allen a lot, but I really think it's going to help Mike Williams. Um, Mike Williams hasn't really been – he's been pretty boomer bust this year, but Herbert's got a great arm, and he's the kind of guy you could just chuck it up to and he's going to go catch it. Um, so I think it's going to start helping him once they build a little more chemistry. I definitely agree with that. It's looking good for the Chargers offense as a whole. Like, as an Eckler owner, I love what Herbert's doing. 
he was giving Justin Jackson and even Kalen Bellage right now good targets. So what more can you ask for? Although I have to say I, the biggest knock I had on him initially was that he was restricted by his offense in, um, in college. And I know Mike said that uh, the, the coaches kind of forced him into this box and they kind of said, hey, you're going to do this type of quarterbacking. And I always thought that, or I initially thought that it was the coach, coaches masking his deficiencies. But again, as we all see, turns out the coaches just had no idea what they were doing and they're forcing him into a weird scheme. So I think they had no skill position players that could catch the ball, to be honest with you. Um, I think it was a mix of things. I think literally the playbook was 15 plays because they didn't trust the receivers to make a catch. It's actually crazy that a school like Oregon had that abysmal of a core. But if you go back and look at the draft, I don't think a single Oregon skill position player was taken in the top five rounds. Um, feel free to check that and correct me on it. But I'm, I'm pretty confident that Oregon just did not have a lot of talent there. And it might have been a combination of things. Maybe Herbert was a little bit inconsistent and they were trying to keep the the playbook narrow because of it. But I think that was at play too. Um, more so, I also think, you know, Eckler coming back is going to only help Herbert. Right now, I don't think too many people are scared of Kalen Bellage, and they don't think that there's going to be much there on the ground game. So they're asking Herbert to throw more, probably lowering his efficiency, but at the same time creating a different type of opportunity because he is throwing so much. So, you know, long story short here, I think we need to – we had talked about him as basically being QB9 before. Um, I think there needs to be a discussion about him being higher than that. I think – I have Deshaun Watson behind both Burrow and Herbert. Um, I think you guys would probably agree that Kyler, um, Lamar, Mahomes, Wilson, um, Prescott should all be ahead of him. And I think the only people that he's flirting with right now to get ahead of is probably Josh Allen, who you could say is maybe slid behind Burrow and Herbert. Um, to be honest with you, Josh Allen is averaging 24.2 you know, uh, points per game. And Herbert's averaging 23.9. So he's almost right there with him this year. Andy's younger. Andy is showing at a younger age that he can handle playing at this level. So all of those things being said, I think he should be really in the discussion for like top six, seven at this point. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I definitely agree. One thing I really like to see with him is he doesn't really play hero ball all that much. I know that we were saying that the Chargers defense, it looks good on paper, but they have been collapsing awfully in the second half of some of these games. And as a young quarterback, it can be hard to say, hey, we'll do a team effort, we'll lean on some other players, and they pull a Daniel Jones, and they will just try to play hero ball. And they'll try to fit play or balls in the windows they shouldn't. But for him, the mistakes, yes, he has been making a few mistakes, but he's a rookie. But uh, the, the good far outweighs the bad with him, which I love. Yeah, and he, he spreads the ball out, too. Like, he's not just – I mean, he's pumping it to Keenan Allen a lot of this because Keenan Allen gets open. But, I mean, he's throwing it to guys like Jalen Guyton, too. So, like, he's not just, like, force-feeding mm-hmm. one main wide receiver. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right, let's go ahead and uh, – I think we kind of have said everything we're likely going to say around Herbert. Let's go ahead and move into running backs. Unless, Tim, do you have another quarterback you want to discuss? Okay, cool. Let's go ahead and move into running backs. And let me kick it over to you, John, and you hit us with uh, your first running back. So I was going to play this as kind of like a game and uh, ask you guys what you thought first and then probably disagree no matter what, but we'll see. Um, So I'm going to start with Raheem Mustard, and I want to see what you guys think. 
skill locker situation. For I actually had Masters, my guy too. I had him as situation. That's weird because didn't we talk about who we're going to talk about on this? And uh, no, I put him down. down. I put him down like three hours before you gave us your list. <laughs> I don't. I think, <laughs> okay, that's okay. No, it's it's fine. We're, we're good. We're good. We're we're cruising. Doesn't, doesn't really matter. Think. Oh, he's a tricky one. Typically, San Francisco running backs are always going to have situation as a positive for them. But I will say when all of them are healthy, Mostert looks by far the best. I think the weird thing with Mostert, I'm glad you brought him up just in general. I think he's worth discussing. My thing with Mostert is he's 28. Um, he's been hurt a ton this year. And his sample size outside of basically early parts of this year and last year is inconsistent. I don't I don't really know where I would peg Mostert's value. I think maybe he's worth like an, an early second or like a mid second. Maybe probably like an early second. Um you know, for a contender if you think he's coming back, but he's a weird one to value because if you're a contender, you need him to be healthy and he hasn't been. And if you're rebuilding, I mean obviously you're trying to build around a, a wide receiver. So I'm gonna say that it's probably like 60% situation and probably like 30 to 35% skill. I legitimately do think he's good. I don't know if I'm investing more than like a mid second or an early second in him. And that's only if I feel really good about my chances come playoff time. I was going to say um, I 100% agree. What about you, Tom? Um, I would hold him. Uh, I wouldn't trade for him. I'd hold him or trade him away. But I feel like when you're trying to trade for someone like that, unless you have the capital to give up, like you said, your playoff team trying to make a run. Uh, I just don't see any long-term value with him. Like for all I know, he can become Chris Carson for the next three years. We talk about, Oh, he's going to get replaced and he never does. But for now, like you said, the sample size is so small. This is what is 15. He bounced around the league a lot. He finally found a home. It's a great scheme fit. But the thing is, it's a great scheme fit for a lot of other running backs. Jeff Wilson Jr. Has big games. McKinnon, even Hasten and- had a couple of good weeks. So, so yeah, you're you're both right. He's situation. Um, by the way, these are gonna get starting kind of easy, and then I'm gonna get progressively more hard. So uh, look out for that. But yeah, my I'm not paying for him. I wouldn't even pay a second, honestly. Um, just because, like you said, Mike, he's 28, and it seems like every running back that plays in Shanahan's system is is great. I mean, Jeff Jeff Wilson, the game he played before he got hurt, at 115 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you know, McKinnon's been a consistent top 20 running back when he's playing with Shanahan. Um, it just seems that uh, Mostert could easily be replaced just because of his age. I mean, if he comes back this year, yeah, I guess he could finish the year strong. But, you know, he's hurt and he's he's getting a little older and they have Jamichael Hasty who's looked great. So I think he's pretty easily replaceable, especially in that system. And I'm not I wouldn't pay anything for him. OK, that's fair. I so. One thing I want to I want to say on this is I think you're right. One thing that is sticking out to me is the Elliott equation, which is it's what I said early in the year on why I would not pay to go buy Elliott, even though I had him ranked as my second RB in a startup. It's because I think that his value is only going to continue to go down, um, and we've already started to see that this year as other players have rose and how he's been basically a lot worse when Dak's out. Um, the problem with Mostert is whatever you pay, he's going to be worth less every single week, basically, from that point on. I don't think Mostert will ever play well enough that somebody goes, you know what, I'll give a first for him, even though he's 29. 
Um, and so from that, that, you know, strategy, if you're looking at dynasty like stocks, I'm not investing in a player stock wise that I only know is going to have value go down, especially if he's getting hurt a lot. So Definitely. I think that was a good point. Hang on. Uh, Thank you. I just also wanted to add because his production can kind of be easily replaced with the Shanahan system. Uh, this is a team without a lot of holes. Like, yes, they had everyone drop dead over the course of the year and now their quarterbacks look a little weak, but next season when they're at full strength, I could see them making a, a luxury pick on a running back, like what the Ravens did with Dobbins. Yeah, I could see that. I think that's possible too. All right. I don't have anything else on this one. Um, Tim, why don't you go ahead and you well, hit us with your running back, back so we could skip me go to you. I just have receivers from here on out. By the way, I'm look I'm I'm looking that up oh, right okay. now because I don't I don't think you said mustard, but I could be wrong. So <laughs> it's not it doesn't it's not really no it is matter, it but is gonna let's matter. go ahead and go into I'm, I'm mad at Tim now. <laughs> That's fine. All right, you can go. <laughs> I was trying to think of something clever to say there. Like, oh, it's not going to matter, blah, blah, blah. But then I couldn't. So here we are. All right. Um, the first running back I'm going to go into is Aaron Jones. Um, Aaron Jones is a very interesting one to me. I think he's a hard one to think about because Aaron Jones has been really good when he's been healthy and playing. Um, but what I've seen when Aaron Jones is out of this lineup is that other running backs completely eat in this situation as well. I do think Aaron Jones is like a legitimately good running back, but I think that Jamal Williams and even possibly Dylan, I mean, we'll see with Dylan, but they, you know, could give you 75% of Aaron Jones's production and he still has not been re-signed to a long-term contract. So Aaron Jones is an interesting one. I don't know if I'm, you know, if you are in a contending situation, I get it. I, you know, he's going to be a great piece for this year. Um, but when you're talking about pieces that their value could dip, he'll be 26 next year, which is the same age as broken bones girly, although he's obviously infinitely healthier. Um, and on top of that, we just don't know the contract situation. So unless you legitimately thought you were going to be winning right now, I think he is a player that I'm pegging is at least probably 50% situation. I think 40% skill. Um, he's certainly worth like a mid first and anything inside of that. I don't know if you would really give up like a, I don't think you would give up 1.4 and in for him though. Uh, especially when we know that Lawrence probably ETN, uh, Chubba Hubbard, uh, some of these guys, I mean, even fields and Jamar chase are all going to be in that conversation. So for me, I think he's probably like 1.5 or later, but what do you guys think? Do you think he's just legit, or do you think that he's the kind of player you're starting to fade a little bit if you're not looking at this year? Uh, I, I definitely agree with you. I think he, he fades a little bit. Um, you know, they drafted Dylan, and he hasn't done much this year, but they obviously – they drafted him pretty early, so they obviously have the intent to use him. Um, and that's actually – it's funny that you use him because I was thinking of an offer where I include one of my running backs that I have that's – you know, sitting around like 12, 10 to 12 range and maybe including like a late first um, for Aaron Jones. And I was thinking about it. Um, I was actually thinking about James Conner and like a later first for Aaron Jones. But at that point, I'm just trading James Conner for kind of another James Conner where he's good in that system. We don't know what's going to happen afterwards. Like you said, his stock's only going to go down um, and I'd be losing it first. So I, I mean, I completely agree with what you said, and I think it's – he's definitely good. 
Um, I mean, he's electric when he gets the ball, but I think it's probably sixty percent situation. Definitely, I know we just got done talking about Shanahan and uh, backs coming into the offense and looking good, but just use it as an example again. If every back looks good in the offense, but then one looks great, that's a good running back. And with Jones, like you guys said, he's not under contract for the next year. And him not being re-signed yet just speaks volumes. They are clearly ready to move on without him. And as a contender, it would be hard to buy someone like that because why would you pay a first plus for Aaron Jones when you could probably pay a first plus for someone who will have guaranteed value next year because for all we know Aaron Jones could go to some other team and just be a uh, a co-backfield leader like what what would it what if he went to Buffalo and now he's contending with Singletary and Moss that's a good point Tim yeah and and to further that this is just not the time of year where you want to invest in guys like this just, you know, historically, right? Like, like I'm not investing in Elliott right now. I'm not investing in Aaron Jones right now. I'm not investing in Derrick Henry right now. You kind of know if you're a contender. Um, but if you're, like, a middle-of-the-road team, like, it's just not the right time for what they cost. They're, it's never a good time to buy running backs when they're scoring like this. Um, it's always better to buy running backs during the offseason. History has kind of shown that frequently. More so, you know, looking at Aaron Jones's on the year stats, he's greatly inflated by that 43.6 point game. He has, aside from that, he has 19.6, which was, a, you know, was a solid game. Then he has 15.6, 15.6, 12, 11, and 10. So he actually doesn't have any other 20 point games. He has one right at that cusp against Atlanta. Um, and, and, you know, and, and the teams that he's playing that he's not getting 20 points against him, mean, he played Jacksonville this past week. He got 12. He played the 49ers with their obliterated defense. He got 10. Um, you know, so he's playing some of these teams that he should be scoring higher than. So you're you're paying for an RB1, and I'm not saying if you're in yearly or if you have them that you're unhappy. But I will say I think it's slightly a little bit of fool's gold at this point in the year. Well, I know they also – they really do like Jamal Williams. Um, and they mix him in a lot, and they, they've been talking pretty highly of him. So he, he takes away some of the carries. Like, Jones hasn't, like Tim said before, hasn't completely separated himself where he's the only great running back in that system. And and to further that, let me give you, like, an example. Like, I think if you ask most people, they, they might say that they prefer Aaron Jones to Nick Chubb. I think those two are close. But, like, Nick Chubb is a guy I'm going to buy yeah. right now because he came back and he looks healthy. He's a year younger. He's still tied to the Browns. Like, I think the Browns will definitely keep him around. And if not, I mean, that only means probably more touches for him in another system. But long story short, like, Nick Chubb is the kind of running back I might be investing right now if I think that next year is my year or the year after. I think that Aaron Jones's value, even if he finishes really strong, is just going to continue to lower, especially as some of these other guys' value gets increased. Guys like DeAndre Swift are going to start pushing ahead of him. Um, you know, guys like Mixon have a better chance to push ahead of them. If J.K. Dobbins, you know, pops off, he could push ahead of them. Um, Kareem Hunt, Cam Akers, Austin Eckler, like all of these guys are going to start getting in this conversation again. Maybe not Akers, depending on your view on them. But like, long story short, it, it almost is, it's the same thing as Derrick Henry. It's like nothing to do with like through fault of Aaron Jones. He's doing exactly what you wanted him to do. And if you had of him, you're happy, but it's just not the right time to invest in him. How's uh how's DeAndre Swift doing these days? You know, that's uh that's a good question, John. Um for people that have listened to a lot of the episodes of the pod, he's he's really uh he's really good. 
long story short, he's really good. And I called my shot with him and I have him like everywhere. So for anybody who like listened to this, when we did the report, I'm not going to toot my horn too but, much, but basically I told myself I wasn't going to talk about Swift and you yep, made it. Me. But uh, don't the Lions have Adrian Peterson still? You know, Adrian Peterson is a thing of the past. I could say that, you know, the Ravens have uh, Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, you know, so all these running backs get to have these little thorns in their side, I guess. I was just I was just curious what you thought on him. Yeah, it wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that you on Twitter uh, reply to uh, every message I have and say that AP is really good. <laughs> <laughs> he is, bro. It's, it's AP. Uh, I'm about to give up. I'm about to give up Twitter to Tim because it literally hurts my it gives my, it gives me heartburn. When you say that, <laughs> like I don't know how else to but describe it. But I'm starting it. the discussion. Uh, yeah, you you say you saying no doesn't really start the discussion as well as you'd think. But I'm I'm absolutely thrilled to have you as one of uh, our active participants on Twitter. So you. thanks for that. If anybody if anybody wants to save me from the Twitter hell that John's put me in, please go ahead and follow Twitter. That'll be our official plug for the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> with that being said, John, why don't you hit us with another run? Uh, okay, so. I was going to save him for last, but I will go Ronald Jones. What do you guys think? Skill, Skill lock situation. situation. He's got all the uh, weapons on the outside clearing out the box for him, and he's clearly looked better than the year before. So I think it's both. Wrong. Mike? <laughs> <laughs> he's good. Like, I – I have to I have to admit he's good. I, I watch him play and he looks way more explosive than Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette's in the same situation and yet he's not producing nearly as well. I think that's basically a fact at this point. So, you know, it's his backfield. The fact that he fumbled this week and they didn't send him to RB Hell kind of simplifies that. Um he's an interesting one because the truth of the matter is if you owned him, you were just a s you were a truther. And I don't know who you're gonna be prying him from now. But that being said, I do look at like you know, dynasty ranks. And I don't, I don't see him pushing some of these guys that are higher than him. Um, just because like, there's a lot of interesting guys in that, in that range. I think at this point I would easily rather have him over David Montgomery. I would much rather have him over Melvin Gordon. Um, him versus Chris Carson's close. I think I would rather have him over Chris Carson. I, yeah, so he's at the back end of the RB2 conversation for me. And for this year, if you have him, I mean, like, full steam ahead until, of course, he fumbles and Arians fires him. But I'll, I know you want to talk about him, so I'll let you go ahead and talk about your boy. Well, I was just going to say, the reason Tim's wrong is because he's 100% skill. He doesn't need a situation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, dude, look at the games where – the games where he gets more than 15 carries, I'm going to read them to you. His first one was 17 for 66 yards. Okay. Then it was 20 for 111. 17 for 106, 23 for 113, and then this last one was 23 for 192 and two touchdowns. So clearly when it's his backfield and Fournette's got not getting these little freaking carries, um, he's good. He's put on weight. He's kept his, you know, his, his quickness and his explosiveness. He He's a guy that I know I've been talking about him, but he improves on something every offseason. Um, and even Arians has – I know this doesn't mean much, but has been saying how he really put in the work on the offseason. And the two things he needed to improve on were his catching um, and pass protection. And I've been watching the games, and he definitely got the pass protection down, which is a big step. His hands still need a little bit of work. But, I mean, he's still getting four or five targets a game. 
um, even though he, he drops a couple easy balls. But, yeah, he's a guy that I know I've been a big truther. You guys know that too, and uh, I'm happy to see him finally get a shot. And when he didn't get benched, fumbling, sorry, that, that was like the best day ever for me. <laughs> yeah, I know you were getting there. I was playing a guy that actually made it close. I was going into Monday night. And because of that, Rollins Jones, basically that 20-point play um, in that league, I think that like a long touchdown gets you a weird bonus. But um, I had Dalvin Cook left, and I was up six, and he had Bears defense. And, like, my team, as consistently as always, is, you know, they're the Cowboys of the league, um, almost went ahead and blew it. And I almost had Ronald Jones to thank for that kind of collapse, even though my team put up the most points in the league. I still almost lost to the second most. John, your bold prediction on the year was Ronald Jones having 1,000 through the ground and 500 through the air. And he's at 730 rushing, and he's at 124 receiving. It's possible based on this pace that he gets to 300 receiving yards, but it's likely he eclipses the 1,000 rushing yards. So if he keeps on this pace, you are not that far off. Dude. Whether or not we see what that does to his year-end stats. And it we'll sucks because I've seen him have like a couple perfect screen plays that could be big, and they just bounce <laughs> off his hands. And I'm like, oh, you mother – you could be so good. But – <laughs> he's super athletic i mean you can see why people are drafting him high it's just Rollins jones i said this to somebody today Rollins jones does three good things and then two bad things so it's just a question of how many times he's gonna weigh himself out yeah on that. but i'm i'm pleasantly surprised by him so he's my guy he is he is, and it, it probably feels good. All right, um, i don't have anything else yep. on Rollins jones tim why don't you uh you said you've already done all your running backs didn't you See, I, I listen. Um, oh, one, one more thing. I'm going to go ahead. Go. Yeah, um, go ahead. Tim, I apologize. Sure. You did say Mostert on your text. I was clearly not paying attention. So I, I apologize, buddy. First time ever. I think we knew Tim was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't usually give it to him, but I'll, I'll give it to him. Okay, take it away, Mike. Um, thanks. All right. I'm going to go ahead and go into John's uh, other big boy that he's a huge fan of. I'm going to have a hit on Antonio Gibson. Um, So Antonio Gibson, for all of Rollins Jones' stats, he's actually only um, one position ranked behind him. He has 10 less points on the year behind Jones, and he's not even really being used effectively as a pass catcher, in my opinion. So, you know, he has 114 points on the year. He's RB11. Uh, he has 103 rushes for 436 yards, so you know a little above four yards per carry clip. Um, he has seven rushing touchdowns, which is booing his stats for sure. And then he has 26 receptions for 202 receiving yards. I think you know if you are seeing what Gibson is doing, you should be pretty excited. I think that I certainly am not going to say the Redskins are the right situation. Um, I will say that the touchdowns are a little lucky. I think he does have skill. He has some stuff to work on. I'm going to say. He's probably like 55% skill, 35% luck, uh, 10% situation. And the only reason I say that is because situationally, I think that, you know, he was given the perfect situation when uh, Darius guys decided he didn't want to play football anymore. And based on what we've seen so far, I mean, I think he's worth investing in because you can see that the receiving only could go up based on the fact that he already knew how to catch passes in, in college. So I, I'm pretty excited if I had Gibson. I think he's worth probably a late first right now. I'm not investing much more than that. But I do think, um, you know, if anybody 
if anybody would give you like a top four pick for him, I think I would move him for that. Uh, I really like him too. Uh, I know John was really high on him. Him and Tommy absolutely called that. But my favorite thing that I've seen from him is the consistency. He rarely scores below 10 points per game. And when he does, it's like, it's seven. It's not like he drops a zero on you at all. And he's still learning the position. I cannot wait until he gets a full off season in at running back because what he's doing now, just being brand new to the position and he played at Memphis. So this is a massive jump and it's really, really good to see. Yeah, I, I agree, Tim. And I think the only reason why <clears throat> he hasn't been used too much in the passing game is almost because they want to ease him into it, which, like you said, is weird because the thing he was good at was catching passes. But I think they knew that and they want they want him to get more, you know, more comfortable running the ball and then everything else is just going to kind of fall into place. But I don't think the touchdowns are necessarily lucky, Mike. I think he's the goal line back. I mean, he's he's like 6'2". 220 something he's a big dude so he's always going to score you touchdowns like he's kind of similar to Derrick Henry in that sense where even if he doesn't have a lot of rushing yards he's going to get a touchdown just because he's the goal line back so I'm not going to call the touchdowns luck I just think seven through what your first career nine games like I mean that's like a 13 touchdown clip I mean how many players how many running backs score 13 rushing touchdowns on the year? So I think that that high of it is – Okay, so – You know, that's what so I'm saying. So long story short, when I like a running back, you should probably pick him up. I would say the same. I'd say the only person who's wrong on running backs a lot is Tim. That's fair. I didn't hear what you said at all. Um, Tim, you're not even going to defend yourself? Come on. No, Come on. I'm reading uh, Gibson's <laughs> Did you blank it out because it was too painful? <laughs> Uh, that's oh, good. I, I said, no, nah, it's actually, that's fine. Don't worry about it. You'll, you'll go back and hear it. Remember 38 minutes. Go back and listen to this. <laughs> All right, Mike, but uh, to what you were saying before about if someone offered you a top four pick, you'd take them. I think I agree with that, uh, but I don't think I would take anything less than that at that at this point just because, I mean, I really think he's going to be, like, the Washington football team's not the best situation, but I think Ron Rivera is a good coach. I think he's going to start building something there. And he definitely likes Gibson because he drafted him. So, he, yeah, he likes he likes Gibson. And also, they have too many holes to worry about this position. This position's fine. You're good here. Um, and also, here's the other thing. You didn't even say this, but this is absolutely true. McKissick frickin' yeah. stinks. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want anybody telling me, oh, he has 40 receptions on the year. Oh, McKissick. You know, McKissick is their receiving back, blah, blah, blah. McKissick stinks. I watched him drop a bunch of passes. He's averaging – he has 291 receiving yards on 41 receptions. That's on pace for 80 receptions for barely 580 receiving yards. That's not a good reception, like, yards per reception rate at all. And he's making a ton of drops. I feel like his target numbers are pretty high too. I wonder if I – I don't have his target numbers handy. But if you think McKissick is, like, a long-term risk to Gibson, I, you got to reconsider that. Um yeah, he has 62 targets and 41 receptions. That's not a good reception rate for a running back. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not I'm not worried about anyone replacing him. I'm saying if you're saying the situation he's in being on the Washington football team is hurting him. I don't know if it's if it's hurting him. I mean, there are better situations, but I think that the opportunity is there. So sometimes that's what a running back needs. You wouldn't think Jacksonville was an ideal spot to go last year, but I think that um 
Rivera is an old school coach and he likes to establish the run and he's not going to, you know, be afraid of, of Alex Smith being a game manager and they can run clock on people. I think Alex Smith, if he's healthy, is actually a really good thing um, for Gibson's outlook long-term because we've seen people like Kareem Hunt. I mean, obviously it was KC, but we've seen that formula work for teams. And I think that the Redskins are going to be building their and defense also, and like being more they, scary with their uh, defense. They have than their needs on defense. They have yeah. needs at wide receiver, at quarterback, at uh, tight end. But they spent a second round pick on a running back. They must have really liked him. So they have plans for him. So it's skill and situation. They're, it looks like they're about to build around him. Yeah, I think I think the only yeah. reason why he's not playing every single down is because he only had, what, 90 career touches in college or something. So they're definitely easing him into, mm-hmm. you know, learning the full playbook and doing everything. So. And I think I, I think the same issue that, that I had with Cam Akers with him not being like natural to the position is the same issue I had with Gibson. But what we're seeing is that Gibson is already kind of figuring it out. Like he's not a super, super natural fluid runner. But to be honest with you, not that this is the same situation, but it's a comparable one. McCaffrey as a rookie was really not good between the tackles. And McCaffrey learned how to do it. Um, you know, I think Gibson is smart enough to be able to figure it out. I think that he... Um, is somebody who clearly is committed to doing it and becoming successful. So I'm not worried about it happening, but I will say that like to date, obviously he's just been, he's been an average running back, but it's exciting to see that he can even be average when he basically is learning the position as he goes in the NFL at a higher level of competition. So for me, I agree with that. Um, and one more thing before I move on, just, you were talking about, you take a top four pick. I'm thinking about the guys who went this year in the top four like Jonathan Taylor, Dobbins. Um, I, I'm thinking I might keep Gibson. So the top – I guess it depends because this was maybe a, a, a skewed year. But this year the top four was uh, – let's see, it was Burrow, Clyde, JT Swift. And then, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So I'm looking at it as the guys next year. So – Basically, I think Jamar Chase is a generational wide receiver. Um, I would easily rather have Jamar Chase. I think that the upside of him is too high versus Gibson. I think if you need a quarterback, you definitely are taking Lawrence. It doesn't matter where he goes. Lawrence's potential is too high. That's two guys right there, right? So now we're getting into that 3-4, and basically it's a debate of whether you want the best running back in the class versus not. So – it, it's close. I, I think I'm taking the surefire thing because the truth is people I think are always going to be a little bit hesitant on Gibson because of his draft capital versus his traditional situation. And I'm factoring that in too. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, if a wide receiver QB is one of your needs, you know, maybe, maybe take that pick. But um, like for me, if I knew I was getting picked four and drafting another running back, I'd rather have Gibson because I've seen what he can do. I like it. I think he's there long-term exactly. and, it's only his rookie year, so I think he's only going to get better rather than just taking a kind of – I mean, it's not as much of a dart throw because it's a top-four pick, but all picks are kind of dart throws. What if you could take that 1.4 and then you could turn that into a different premium commodity too? Because the pick's always going to have value. Like, everybody likes 1.4. Not everybody likes Gibson, so I'm also looking at it through that vein as well. That's a good point. But it's close. I think your point is, is valid. It's close, and I think it's worth discussing. Yeah. Um. Do you, do you have any more running backs? I, I have another running back if nobody has any more running oh, backs. I don't. You can go. All right. I'm going to go on this one quickly. Um, so my last running back that I wanted to discuss was Jonathan Taylor. 
And listen, I think that a lot of people are going to be talking about Taylor. Um, and I want to kind of give the cliff notes on what I think is going on. Taylor coming out of Wisconsin was extremely athletic and he was very good in a really particular type of scheme. So he was really good in a power running scheme. Um, so some interesting things with Taylor is number one, he's facing the highest stack box rate of any running back in the league. And, you know, his competition like Naheem Hines is facing the, I think that he's 70, 70th overall for stack boxes. So the rate is way, way, way lower. Um, Jonathan Taylor is making natural mistakes uh, that you don't want to see. He has situations where he's running into his line. He has situations where he's not reading the hole correctly. But what I will say about Taylor is that Frank Reich is not putting him in a position to succeed. And what I mean by that is you look at the types of runs that Jonathan Taylor has, and a lot of them are out of the shotgun, um, which is not the natural way that he was used in college. He was used in Wisconsin as, like I said, he was power eye as his best formation. And he's being used as the change of pace back when he's like the big bruiser. Um, a lot of players like this, and Derrick Henry is a great example of this, are way, way better when you let them get enough touches to get a natural rhythm. And they use those touches and they use that rhythm to wear down the defense. So I think Jonathan Taylor is a firm hold right now. I think the things that people are pointing out as being issues are absolutely issues. I think his situation is the correct one. I think that the team needs to use him correctly. I still consider him to be, you know, a skilled player, but he does have things to improve on. I think the good is that he has shown he can catch the ball. I think the bad is that he's not getting the full opportunity. And on those opportunities he is get, he has not run away. I think the other thing you need to contend with is it's a very real possibility that Marlon Mack is brought back. Um, at this point, it's clear Frank Reich is not completely sold on Taylor um, and that Naheem Hines is looking good enough that he's siphoning away touches. What I will say is they have to use Taylor in a less predictable way, and they need to not only bring him in when it's like fourth and one or third and one because he's he's a good enough back. He deserves better than that. Um, so I think the situation is, the again, it's the right one for him, but I think that the situation is not going the way it needs to. I think – at this point, he's still probably worth a mid-first. You know, he was taking a lot of leagues in that two to four range. And I think that he might have, you know, taken a little bit of a hit. But again, you look at the situation and how many of these rookie running backs that are going to be coming in are coming into a situation as good as his. I think, you know, it's a similar situation to Rojo where you have a very athletically gifted player. And sometimes it's just going to take time for that to establish itself. But Taylor's a smart dude. And I, I believe Taylor can learn how to, properly hit these holes and use himself in this scheme. But I also think that Frank Reich and that team needs to learn how to use him correctly as well. So long story short, Taylor is a hold. I, I think that at this point he is no better than running back three of the class. I have CEH and Swift is their own tier above him. Um, but I don't think anybody else has really pushed him in the sense that as good as Robinson has been, he has some unknowns. The team isn't necessarily fully committed to him. And as good as Gibson has been, I think that the draft capital of Taylor and Taylor's scheme, uh, you know, is still good enough that I'm putting Taylor ahead of Gibson and Robinson and Dobbins hasn't established himself enough, nor has acres to push for that spot either. So he's still three for me um, of those running backs, but I understand that it's close and I can understand people saying they prefer Robinson and they prefer uh, Gibson. I won't fault them, but I'm not ready to completely move off them at this point. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think it's, it's actually kind of bad luck. Um, for him right now, just because there was no preseason and no anything of that for him to kind of get acquainted with the system. But 
I think Philip Rivers is kind of hurting them because they have the wide receivers. Um, I mean, they had a uh, who's the guy that got hurt? Um, they drafted last year in the second round. Campbell. Yeah, Campbell got hurt. So once they get him back, Pittman, I think, is going to be good. Um, and then hopefully they get a new quarterback who can actually throw and it'll open the box up a little bit for him. Because now he's coming in with no preseason, not a lot of time to, you know, like you said, learn the new scheme, learn the new running style. And he's got old Phillip Rivers who can't throw the ball. Um, so teams are just stacking the box against him. Um, so I think it's – he's in a good situation, but I think it's bad luck that's been hurting him. So I'm not – if I have him, I'm holding him. If I don't, definitely trying to buy quote-unquote low if you can. But I don't really someone think Someone just can. picked as potentially the cornerstone of their roster. And yeah, and I agree with you guys. Uh, I think he's just having a yeah, tough time I mean. getting from college to the NFL. Completely new scheme. I mean, the, the vision issues that is a little uh, troubling. But we're also seeing that the coaches are truly doing a hot hand approach. Like Naeem Hines just had twelve carries last week. Naeem Hines is not a twelve carry a week guy. But then you know, a few weeks before Jordan Wilkins, it was the same thing. They are truly finding whoever is getting the groove, and they are giving them all the carries. I don't think that speaks ill on Taylor. I think that's more about the coaching. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I don't know if they bring Marlon back, Marlon Mack back, just because I don't think they were ever really too high on him. But um, I'm not worried about Jordan Wilkins, and Naheem Himes is never going to be really more than a third down receiving back okay. type role. So, I'm not worried about that. Okay, that's super fair. I don't have anything else on him, but I do think that Taylor's worth discussing because I think a lot of people are trying to figure out what the enigma is with him, and I thought he was worth um, honing in on a little bit. So, with that being said, I know we're coming up on, uh, you know, 50-ish minutes, and I want to try to make sure that, you know, we have enough time for good discussion. So, let's go ahead and kick it over well, to you first, Tim, for uh, a wide receiver. And let's wide see how much time we have talk about is Devontae out. Parker. And earlier this season, he was having wide, wide receiver two potential with Fitzpatrick. It was looking really good. But then after the switch to Tua, he's had one good game and a couple of bad ones. And I wanted to talk about why I think those bad games were because of luck. And the first one uh, versus the Rams, uh, the Dolphins defense did everything. There was absolutely no reason for them to even throw the ball. Tua only threw for 93 yards. So no one did well that game in the receiving game. Next game, shootout versus Arizona. Parker played awesome. The next game versus the Chargers. Parker had seven targets, which is pretty good volume-wise. And he was doing things that didn't show up on the stat sheet. Like on the uh, Jakeem Grant touchdown, Parker was the one that drew the defense's attention away that left him open. He was get Parker was getting looks deep in the end zone. I think that you know Parker is ta- or paired with a promising young quarterback, and the lack of production recently has just been to the really bad game scripts and just a few missed throws. He's still getting good volume. He's getting you know five to seven targets every single game, which I think gives him wide receiver wide receiver two potential. And if you could get him for mid to early second, I'd consider that a win. Yeah, and he's um, now that Preston Williams went down, he's the only guy in town again. So I agree with you. And the fact that, you know, two is kind of just getting rolling um, and just getting his feet wet a little bit. So, you know, five to seven targets, even though he's not hitting all of them, is going to be pretty good. And if you're a team that's pushing for the playoffs, 
I think he's a pretty cheap option that could finish the year hot. Like, I mean, last year he, he finished the year really hot. So I think he could repeat what he did last year. Yeah, he's an interesting one for me because he's a little bit older than people think. I think he'll be 28 next year. He's 27 right now. Um, but he is tied to Tua, which obviously you like to see that. I mean, it's the same kind of situation as Allen, although Allen's produced at a, a really high level this year all year. Um, and I, I think it's close, you know, mid-second to late-second. I think I think mid-second is reasonable for a contender. I will say there's just so many wide receivers. I'm at the point where I'm almost thinking, like, I'd rather not pay for – a middling wide receiver and I would almost rather stream it if I could, depending on what my options were. Um, but I would say he's like a wide receiver three to close the year and wide receiver three with upside at that. That's how I view him. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said last episode, I think he's still a sell because I, I'd rather have a second round pick and, and draft a rookie wide receiver. Um, just because we don't know. It's definitely, He's a good wide receiver, but I think it's it's the situation he's in because he's had Fitzpatrick pump him the ball. And now with Tua, it's a little bit more of an unknown. Um, and as we saw with Preston Williams, Tua was really pumping it only to Preston Williams, and then he went down. So now Parker's back in the good situation where he's the only wide receiver they have on that team. I mean, their number two wide receiver is – who's it? Jakeem Grant, who's like 5'3". And then they have Malcolm Perry, who is the little dude out of uh, – he went to army or whatever, who's like five, six and like 170 pounds. So like, yeah, they like these little pints. Yeah. So like they don't have anyone else. Um, so that's why I think he's going to finish the year strong, but he's still a sell to me. Um, and if I'm, if I'm a contending team, I'm not paying anything more than probably a mid second. Yeah. And, and the truth of the matter is this is a team that's likely going to draft a wide receiver. Um, or bring in a wide receiver. They could bring in Allen Robinson. They're going to have a lot of cap. I mean, they don't, they're not beholden to having just Parker Preston on that roster. We're seeing a lot more teams being completely okay with just going out and getting more wide receivers, even if they have a good one. I think you saw it this year with um, the Cowboys. You saw it this year with Denver. These teams are not afraid of going out there. I think that the Ravens might be in the market too, to be honest with you. So it's a little bit of a tricky situation, but I don't think he's going to be the alpha for long. If you can sell on the hype of him being to his number one option, that's fine. But I, you know, I'm still not super sold on Tua. He might be more like, he might not be this guy who's going to be ripping it for 350 yards a week. And I think that that's a reality people need to think about when they're looking at a guy like Parker. So, you know, mid to late second, and you have to be in a situation where you're really dire at wide receiver to go for him. But for a mid to late second, I think that there are much more exciting options you could probably target that are probably still going to be having some upside moving forward that I think Parker might be limited on. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. All right, I, guys, um, this was a good one. I think that you know, we might reevaluate and, and do another segment like this in the future. Maybe we'll open with it. I know that I had a couple more receivers I wanted to get to, and I know John had a couple of receivers as well, but um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to hold off on those for this episode. So in closing, um, you know, make sure you check us out on Reddit when we're posting, we're pretty active on there. Check us out on Twitter, check us out on Instagram. John's uh, the meme word on there. So if you want to have a good laugh and you want to see somebody who just has a deep appreciation of what Ronald Jones stands for, definitely make sure to go out there and check out Instagram. Um, but with that being said, peace out.